Hey, you're listening to the Encounter Church podcast. To learn more about Encounter Church, visit us at ecdenver.org, or you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Thank you for listening. Now, we want to continue with the the sermon. Uh, And we're in a series, and the series is about building a life that really can produce John 10.10. You know, Jesus said, I came that you may have life and life more abundantly. And have you noticed that's just not automatic the moment you give your heart to Christ? That you say, Jesus, I believe with you and you, and everything miraculously and supernaturally turns around, and you never have to do anything else in order to live a successful and blessed life. I mean, I'm, that's, that's just silly. That's, we all know that's not true. That's why Christ said, repent and receive the kingdom. We, we have to make changes. And that's not bad. That's good. I mean, you know, it, it's the way it works. And so we've been teaching on what you need to do. We talked about foundations. We're finishing up frameworks. Then we're going to get into the the, the finish work, the facade later on. But the foundation is really what supports the weight of what it is God wants to do in your life. I mean, the bigger the work, the, the stronger the foundation. If you don't have a strong foundation, you can't support much, okay? You sink because the ground beneath you becomes like liquid and it just goes down. And we spent quite a few weeks talking about that. Those messages are worth your listening to again. You can find them on YouTube, going back, reviewing those, getting an understanding of those core truths that you can tie off on. And we've been talking about a framework. What does a frame do? A frame is what resists the storms of life. When the wind blows and the snow comes and the rains come, it is the framework which supports the structure. Because otherwise, it just collapses over on itself. Have you ever seen the the area where a hurricane has come through and you see all of those buildings are just laying on their sides? That is because the framework was inadequate. The foundation may be fine, but if the framework's not adequate, the storms of life will blow it over. And then the the finish of our lives, the outside part of our lives, the exterior, that's that's the stuff that the world sees. Now, when discussing how you build a strong framework, we've been talking about some, some key pillars of that. We talked about the need for wisdom and understanding. Did you know stupidity is expensive? <laughs> it is. I mean, ignorance is not a good thing. God did not intend for us to go into this world ignorant. But he said, you need to ask me and I will give you wisdom. That is knowing what to do and understanding, which is knowing where and when to do it. Have you ever said the right thing at the wrong moment? <laughs> of course you have. We all have. That's, that's an, that's a, that is the presence of wisdom, but the absence of understanding. And we don't want to do that. We talked about self-control. <sighs> I used the proverb, you know, a man without self-control is like a city without a wall. If you don't have self-control, you will self-destruct. Because you are attracted to things that are unhealthy. Come on, give me an amen, somebody. <laughs> By the way, we are still suspending donuts during the service, uh, you know, but we'll have them back up again. That was a joke. It's not a joke. It is true, but donuts are not that unhealthy in moderation. That's the point. You need self-control. We talked about endurance. You know, this is a marathon, not a sprint. You got a bunch of people these days that they, boy, anything, the least little thing happens to them. And they're, they're on their knees weeping, curled up with their thumb in their mouth. I mean, you know, our parents lived through the Great Depression and two world wars, and, and we can't take anything. I, I, I don't know what's going on. I mean, you got to have some grit in you, some staying power. And last week, Sarah really did a great job. I watched it down in Phoenix on the internal work that's just got to be done. 
But for the last part of this series on framework, before we transition on the exterior, I want to talk about something that I'm entitling the main beam. Now, uh, when I was a young man, my dad started a business in 1970. We didn't have any money. Basically, he didn't get a salary for like three years. We lived on savings and credit cards. But eventually, the business grew to the point where he, could, he, had, an, he had an income coming in. We could buy a house again. We'd been renting a home in town. So we went outside of Joplin on a rural route and bought, bought a house on about an acre. And in the basement of that house, the guy who'd built it had left exposed this main beam of steel that ran the entire uh, breadth of the house. You had the foundation, but then you had this steel beam, and that was the main beam in the house, and the floor and the walls and everything tied to that main beam. And had you pulled that main beam out, the floor would have collapsed, the walls would have collapsed, all of the framework would have collapsed. Well, I want you to know that, that in life, you do need wisdom, understanding, self-control, endurance, and all of these other things, but you also need a main beam. And the main beam for our lives as followers of Jesus Christ is this. We have to build our life on love. If we do not love, we will not survive the storms of life. When Jesus was teaching about love, he said this in John 13, 35. He said, your love for one another, referring to the community of Christ, will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Jesus didn't say they're going to look in and see who we vote for for public office and decide that we're followers of Christ, even though I do encourage you all to vote. He didn't say, I'm going to take a look at their behaviors and that's going to, to show me that they're followers of Christ. What he said is he's going to look into, they are going to look into our community. They being the unsaved. They being the lost. They're going to look at the church of Jesus Christ. And they're going to see how the church of Jesus Christ treats one another. And if we love one another, they're going to say there's something to this Jesus. And they're, they're serious about it. They're not just doing lip service. They've got their hearts devoted to God, and there's an integrity to them. There's a validity to them. You know, we actually get validity in our preaching by how we treat one another. Y'all going to be a lot nicer to me from now on, aren't you? <laughs> and I'll be nicer to you. You know, you know what I'm saying? That's, that's the foundation. That's the standard. And yet also Christ taught this in Matthew 5, and it, it is one of the most challenging passages of all of his challenging sermons, and his sermons are challenging. What Jesus taught is challenging. It's impossible, in fact, without the help of God, without the Holy Spirit, we can't do it. But this is what Christ said about love. You've heard that the law says this, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. He continued on, and he said, in the, that way you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. And if you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, meaning that we love our enemies. Wow. Even as your Father in heaven, who loves his enemies, is perfect. 
That's tough. You go even further into the New Testament to the epistles, and, and we see where Paul teaches on love. And this is that famous passage from 1 Corinthians 13. You see it on napkins at weddings. Yeah, yeah, you do. I mean, how many of you had 1 Corinthians 13 at your wedding? Anybody? Yeah, it's, it's, you guys don't remember. None of you even remember your weddings. <laughs> You're looking at me, I don't know what I had on my napkin. I don't even know what we ate. I, just, I know I was married. You know, <laughs> it was all right. Uh, but, but, but he says this. He said, and Paul is, is teaching to them. He said, if I could speak all the languages of earth, and he's, you know, and of angels, and I'm getting the, this is a paraphrase translation, so go with me, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I had the gift of prophecy, and if I could understand all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. That's something that, that uh, Lex was talking about in the transition. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Paul's talking about the necessity of love. The necessity of love. You, you, you know, I, I, Jesus said, you know, they're going to look at how we love one another, and that's going valid, to validate our message to the unsaved world. And, and he tells us that, that the love of God is so non-human-like that God loves people who hate him, who are working against him, and yet he still loves them, and he's kind to them, and he's generous to them, and he's, he blesses them. And yet Paul comes in and says that we could aspire to all of these, these charismata, these spiritual gifts. And I, hey, I believe in the charismata. I believe in word of knowledge, word of wisdom, praying in tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, all of those things. I think they're wonderful things. The Bible said we should desire those things. It says that. But the reality is if we don't have the main beam, if we don't have the key thing, if we don't have love, all we're doing is pursuing selfish ambitions, things that make us feel good about ourselves, not things that necessarily build the kingdom of God. Paul continues, and he goes into a description of love, of the nature of love, the character of love. He says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Sometimes Reese is rude. Did you know that? I'm not loving when I am. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. I'm going to come back to that. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It's always hopeful. And it endures through every circumstance. I was, I was meditating on this, and I shared, in fact, Wednesday at our prayer, because, you know, we do this Wednesday space and place. We continue to do that. You are all, of course, invited, our online and family as well, to come be a part on Wednesday for one hour just to disconnect and connect with God. And I was meditating on this sermon and, and this short passage where it says, you know, love keeps no record of wrongs. And I, I stopped, and it just hit me, and I said, what, what is that? 
I mean, you know, because as a pastor, one of the things I, I, I coach people is, you know, if, if somebody has abused you, somebody has hurt you, you don't have to be, go back into a, a trusting relationship with them because they may not be trustworthy. Can I get an amen in this house? I mean, trust is something you earn, something, you know, people should not just trust you. So, you know, and at times I know people who, who have hurt somebody, they say, well, they should just, you know, love me unconditionally. And I said, and you should be trustworthy. And so I was asking God, I said, God, so what do you mean you don't keep a record of wrongs? And this is what I believe this means. He said, Reese, it means that when somebody has wronged me, they don't owe me anything. There's no debt incurred. I can acknowledge that, Otis, you hurt me. And that's a fact. But, Otis, you don't owe me anything for that. You don't have to jump through hoops. I'm going to love you. I may not trust you. That's a whole different issue. And Linda's nodding her head going, oh, yeah, I know what that's all about. I'm sorry, Otis. I love you, but you're on the front row. But, but you know what I'm saying? There's a difference between trust and love, but, but you don't owe me a debt. You know, because you hurt me, you don't owe me a debt. Because if I love you, I keep no record. I keep no account for that. Which is, again... Jesus is challenging. Those things are challenging because to me, dude, you hurt me, you owe me. It's just the way I was raised doesn't mean it was right. (laughs) And then Paul, in his teaching on love, takes a turn and and he, he compares love to other spiritual gifts. And he says, prophecy and speaking in unknown languages or tongues and special knowledge or word of knowledges will become useless. And when Christ comes back, you don't really need to prophesy about the return of Christ because he will be here. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's it, just to be honest. And, and, when I, and then, he, then he goes on. But love will last forever. Now, our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture or part of God's plan. But when the time of perfection comes, when Jesus returns, all of these partial things will become useless. And then he compares this current world we live in with a childhood. He says, when I was a child, I thought of a child, I spoke as a child, and reasoned as a child, but when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly. We do. None of us have perfect revelation. Like the puzzling reflections in a mirror. You ever step out of a shower and your mirror is all fogged up, and then you look at it and you're not sure what you're seeing but sometimes it's an improvement. No, it's, <laughs> it's you know what I'm saying? It's, it's there, but it, it's a puzzling reflection in a mirror. And then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely just as God knows me completely. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And, and what he's what he's doing is he's talking about the longevity of love. And until Jesus returns... There are things in this world that we just won't understand. Why does God let this go on? Couldn't tell you. Why is this person blessed when they behave this way? Have no idea. You know, why is this happening to me? You might know and you might not. You know what I'm saying? But the thing that will help us to build a successful life will be to hang on to the main beam of love. Because that brings us into a place of maturity that says, you know, I may not understand everything, but I know that if I love and keep loving, then then whatever is going on will endure, I will endure through it. And I'll come to the other side and I will be successful. 
I close the scriptures that I want to share on with, with this passage from 1 Peter 4, 7. And it's this. It says, the end of the world is coming soon. And apparently soon to Peter is 2,000 years at least. I, I read that and I go, because, I mean, if you think about the, 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 the age of the universe, 2,000 years is nothing. I mean, you know, but to me it's a long time, not to him. Therefore, though, because it's coming soon, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Don't just pray, but have some focus to your prayers, okay? Have some structure to your prayers. Have some things you're praying for. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. Not just love, but deep love. For love covers a multitude of sin. I thought Jesus' blood covered my sin. Didn't it? Well, it does. So what is he talking about here? He's talking about the fact that when we hurt people, when we do things, say things, withhold things, and we all do that, come on, aren't we all human? Okay, people online, aren't you human? That's a good question. Do others who aren't human watch? That's a whole different story. We won't go down. That's a Star Trek episode, you know. I don't know but, 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 but the point of it is that we're human and we do things. But if we love people, a lot of times they'll look past our humanity and look past our weakness and look past our brokenness and look past our mistakes and they will say, you know something? They really are a disciple of God. They may have said the wrong thing. They may have done the wrong thing. They may have whatever, but they are a disciple of Christ because love covers a multitude of sin. Which brings us to the end. And this is not a long message. Um, this is a really short message. I got done with this, and I goes, there's not enough here. And God said, there's plenty there. And he said, I go, if, if, if they get this, you did well. And I, I went, all right, God, I'm going to need your help because there's, there's, this is, this is kind of simplistic. And he reminded me, in fact, I was, he reminded me there was a mega church back in Missouri when I was a young man that the pastor preached on love for a year. And the church, after two or three months, was really freaking out. They're going, you know, are we going to cover a different subject? And this is, you know, I'm talking the 1980s. And the pastor got up and he said, I'm going to be blunt. Until this church gets love, the rest of it doesn't matter because it's the main beam. Now, he didn't use that term. Uh, it's my term. But it's the most important thing. And so our response in online family, I'm talking to you as well, is... is my challenge to each of us to pray a certain prayer. It's a simple prayer. And it's this. And we're going to pray it together in just a minute. It's God help me to understand love and how to love. Because I don't think I always understand love. You know, we read that 1 Corinthians and we blow through it. And that, even me, I was reading through it and I was like, long, what is it? It keeps no record of wrongs. I had to actually stop on that. And God was saying, you don't really understand love yet. There's a greater depth. And you don't really know how to love everybody. How do you love your enemies? I don't want, you know, how does that work? How do I love my children, my family? How do I love people? God, help me to understand love and how to love. Help me to understand your love for me. You ever wonder why God loves you? I have. You know, I, why, why, you know why, why do you love me? I'm not so sure I'm worthy of that. In fact, I'm fairly sure I'm not. Help me to understand that. 
How can I love you? I know it says in John that he who has my commands and keeps them, he is the one who loves me. But, but you know, do, do, do we, <laughs> we really love out of fear? Or do we love in response to his love? And do we obey in response to his love? I, I, you know, how, how can I show God love? Well, if you love me, you'll love others. You know, all of these things. Help me to understand how I can really, you know, we talk about, we love you, God. We love you, God. We love you, God. What does that look like? It's really kind of a deep question and a fundamental question. How can I love myself? Did you know you're supposed to love yourself? Not in a narcissistic, crazy way, but just in a fundamental way that you are worthy of blessings because God says you are. You're righteous and sin-free because God says you are. You're able to change because the power that resurrected Christ from the dead dwells in you. You're able to become what you really want to be on your better moments. And how can I love others? How do I love other Christians? How do I love the lost? How do you love those hostile to the gospel? Because we got some folks that are hostile to the church and hostile to the gospel right now. Boy, they make you angry. (laughs) At least they do me. And yet, how do I love them? All of this is, this is not one of those, you take the message and you just walk out and say, that was nice. This is one of those, this, this is one of those things that has to penetrate, has to soak for a while, has to kind of permeate our consciousness and our thoughts. And, and I hope that you meditate on it, you muse on it. But, but let's begin this journey of revelation of love with this prayer that we would pray together. Online family, you as well. Would you just say this with me? Say, God, help me to understand love and how to love. God, help me to understand love. Help me to understand how to love. As a, as a man, as a father, as a husband, as a pastor, as, as all of the hats that I wear. Help me to help my flock the ones that you've entrusted to me. Help me to to pastor them effectively, that I could help them understand this oh-so-critical frame, this this key piece to withstanding the, the challenges of life, the storms of life, the attacks of the enemy, the attacks of people. Help me to understand this critically important main beam. Help them as well, Father. just want to be sensitive to the spirit for a minute would you close your eyes for just a moment not looking around because I'm going to ask a very personal question and I don't want people to be afraid of or embarrassed by their response would anyone in this room raise your hand in just a second and say to me I have a very difficult time loving myself Maybe you've done some things wrong, but if that's you, would you just simply slip your hands up and say, that's me. I have a difficult time. I see those hands. I see hands all over. You guys keep your eyes. That's great. Would you just, you can, you can put them down now. Father, I pray that, that, that you would help all my brothers and sisters and, and others who may not have raised their hands or those who are watching online to forgive themselves. First of all, God, just to forgive themselves. Maybe they have a chronic issue, but so what? We have an eternal God and a blood that cleanses forever and ever. 
by faith, not by works. So help them to forgive themselves. Help them to, to receive that unconditional acceptance as a child of God that, that you told us is ours. And when they struggle, help them not to feel guilty or ashamed for coming to the throne room of grace and saying, God, I did it again, please forgive me. But God, help me to grow and to walk free of whatever it is. Help them find the peace of God, which goes beyond understanding. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. And if anyone, Father, who is listening to this message does not know you as their Lord and Savior, I pray for them. And if that, that names you, it's not hard to become a follower of Jesus. It just takes one decision. And it's a decision that says, I believe in you, Christ. I believe in your life. I believe that you were sent by God. I believe in, in your death had a purpose. It was, it was to, to pay for my sins. But your resurrection offers me a hope that I too can be resurrected. And so I, I reach out to you and I say, become my Lord. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to repent of my old way of life and step into a new one. If you'll pray that prayer, God will come into your life in a very special way. It's a supernatural moment. It's an important moment. If you will pray that prayer, God will respond. The Bible says anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you're calling on God's name right now, I'm going to tell you to do something else. I'm going to tell you to be back in church next week. I'm going to tell you that, that being in church in a community of believers is probably the most important thing you will ever do to solidify your walk with God, is being in relationship with other believers who you can grow with and study with and, and, and expand with. So that's my encouragement to you. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Encounter Church, visit ecdenver.org or find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram.